John chapter 13, verse 36, through chapter 14, verse 11. This was on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, that last supper that he had with his disciples before his betrayal and crucifixion, as he spoke to them, to them and instructed them. And he had just given the, the new commandment that he, as he had loved them, just as he had loved you, you also are to love one another. So now I'm going to pick up in verse 36. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have, would, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray for God's blessing upon his word. O Lord God, we give thanks to you for the revelation of salvation through Jesus, your Son. We pray that you would bless the reading and preaching of your word this evening, that we might believe in him, and that we might do so more firmly, being rooted and grounded in him, who is the way, the truth, and the life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus was talking to his disciples, speaking to his disciples, and he knew that he was going back to the Father, that he was going to leave them in one sense. He was going to uh, depart, and in fact, he was about to die and to rise and to ascend to the Father in heaven. This process, process was about to begin, was about to commence. And as he spoke about this, he had spoken about this before. He had even told the Jews, I'm going somewhere and you can't follow me. Um, and he had even begun to speak to his disciples of this, uh, to his disciples of this as well. And his disciples were concerned about this. 
that their Lord, their master, the one whom they had followed and whom they were intent to follow, was going to leave them. And they weren't really sure about the details. Their Lord was going away. They had a lot of questions. In chapters 13 through 16 are Jesus explaining and teaching his disciples how to live as his disciples after his ascension. And so this passage is only part of that, but it does give us instruction uh, for Christ's disciples to live in the light of where Je- what Jesus did. Now, Jesus told Peter that Peter could not follow Jesus yet, that Jesus would go and, and Peter would not be able to follow him yet, but that afterward Peter would follow him. Because Peter had asked, where are you going? And Jesus is, gives this reply to him. Now, this at least refers to following Jesus to heaven. And in fact, he's going to later expound on the fact that he was going to prepare a place for them, uh, that they would, they would go to be with him, uh, that those who follow Jesus would, would go to be where he is. Um, but the, there might even be more to it, especially in Peter's case in particular, might include how Peter would suffer crucifixion for Christ's sake, that Jesus was about to go to his death, and, and Peter would walk in his footsteps in that sense as well. We'll actually get to that allusion at the end of the Gospel of John um, uh, on that point. But in any case, Peter was impatient. Peter wanted to go, now, why can't I follow you now? Why do I have to wait But Jesus predicted that Peter would be so far from laying down his life for his master on this occasion that he would actually deny his master. He would deny the Lord, deny knowing him three times before the cock crowed, before the rooster crowed in the morning. So that night, Peter would deny his Lord. Now, it's good to follow Jesus. It's good to be resolved to follow Jesus. But humility is needed. Patience is needed. And Peter would learn this lesson to watch and pray that you might not enter into temptation, to take heed, lest you be proud and and fall prey to the snare. And so as we follow Jesus, we ought not to be confident in ourselves, but rather to be confident in Christ. And that is where he directs his disciples as he goes on. He prepares them for the trial, that as he would be killed, and, and then even as he ascended to heaven, that could be initially discouraging for his disciples, but he would want them to not be troubled, to, to take heart, to have courage. How would they gain this courage and this confidence? They would do so by believing in him through faith in Jesus. He turns to strengthen them for the oncoming trial by encouraging them to believe in him, for he was going away from them for their good, to prepare a place for them. The phrase here, believe in God, believe also in me, both of those phrases could be indicative or imperative. So there's a lot of debate on, does it say you do believe in God and you also believe in me? Or is it you believe in God, so also therefore believe in me? Um, Or is he saying, believe in God, believe also in me? I think I'm inclined to take the the footnotes version. um, You believe in God, believe also in me. You profess to believe in God, and as he's going to, as he had been teaching them and would teach them that he was God, he was 
the Son of God. He, the Father is in him, and he is in the Father. And if one wanted to honor the Father, they ought to honor the Son, that he is the way to the Father, um, that they ought to believe in him. If you believe in God, believe in Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way, the truth, and life. Apart from him, there is no way to God. Apart from him, we dwell in darkness and lies and ignorance. Apart from him, we die and do not have life. And that is what I want to especially look at today. First, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way to the Father. Of course, this, the, this phrase comes in verse 6 in response to Thomas's question. We don't know where you're going, so how, how can we even know the way if we don't even know where we're going? But Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is the way to the Father. That's where Jesus was going. That is where he was going, was to the Father, uh, to, to his Father in heaven, at the Father's right hand. And he is the way for his disciples to go there as well, to be with him. Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus is the way to the Father's house. Jesus is the road, the path, the door. He is the way to salvation, the way to reconciliation with God, the way to peace with God, the way to glory, to that eternal dwelling with God, the way to heaven. Apart from Jesus, there is no way. Some of you are, I know, learning a little bit of Greek, right? And you remember the word hados? That's this word, road or way. Jesus is the road. He is the way. He is the pathway. Of course, he had already said he was the door for the sheepfold, right? That the door, the sheep go in by it. It was a similar analogy. But apart from Jesus, there is no way. Apart from Jesus, the way to God is closed off. The road is broken. There's a giant chasm and no one can get across. That there is a obstacle in the way. And you know what that obstacle is? What blocks off the road? What keeps sinners from God? Oops, I just gave it away. Sin. Sin keeps sinners from God. God cannot tolerate sin. God must judge sin. He is light and in him is no darkness at all. Sin, what does sin deserve? Sin deserves death and hell. It deserves judgment. So apart from Jesus, there is no way. There is a, a, a chasm. There is a alienation. There is a separation from God. And we need a way, therefore, to the Father. Or else we will dwell uh, apart from him. Not apart from his omnipresence, but apart from any fellowship or relationship with God. Jesus is the only way to the Father. He says, no one comes to the Father except through him. This is the only way to God. It is through Jesus Christ. There's no way to God in other religions, through other mediators, through other uh, intercessors, through other beings, whether they be saints or false gods. Jesus is the way to the Father, and he is the only way to the Father. If a person will be saved, he must go through Jesus. 
So you cannot work your way back to God. You can't build this road for yourself. Are you the way to the Father? No. You need Jesus, who is the way. You cannot make up for your sins by your works. You cannot cancel your sins by your works. Jesus is the way to the Father. He became this way. He didn't have to become the way, but God in his love made this way. He became a mediator, the one to come between God and fallen man. He is the ladder to heaven. Do you remember at the beginning of John how he just talked to Nathaniel and talked about that you would see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man, that he would be like that ladder in Jacob's dream? He would be the way to God, the way to heaven. The way from God to man. He became flesh and dwelt among us. He became not only God, but man as well. He suffered death for the punishment of the sin of his people. He became the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And having paid that penalty in full, he rose to life and to glory that others might come with him to participate in that life and glory and not suffer for their sins, but rather live with God. So how do you get on this path to God? Jesus provided himself as the way to God. The way is open, the road is there, but not everyone uses it. A lot of people go other ways and do not find God. How do you get on the road? How do you benefit from Jesus as the way to God? It's by faith. Believe in God. Believe also in me. It is by faith in Jesus, by believing in him, that you receive this gift and get on the way. The only way to the Heavenly Father is through faith in Jesus. And so by faith in Jesus, you are reconciled with God. You can approach God now in worship and prayer with confidence, and you have a future with God for all eternity. This way, this road, what's the, at the end of the road? It's the fullest experience of fellowship with God and heavenly glory. As Jesus says in this passage, he says that he, ascended to the, he would ascend to the Father. Of course, from our perspective, he has ascended to the Father to prepare a place for his disciples. It's good for us that he went away. In his Father's house, there are many dwelling places, not just for Jesus, but for his people too. The word here, rooms, sometimes translated mansions, it's the idea of an abiding place, a, a dwelling place. Uh, perhaps even the, the analogy is used of homes where other dwelling places would be added onto it as a family grew and they wanted to live together. It's a very large household with room for many people, is the idea here, that Jesus would go, but so that in time we would join him. By his work, he obtained a place in his father's house for his people, and that is where he leads. At death, his people go to be with him in heaven and not in hell. At his return, he will raise up his saints from the dead. He said that I will come back. I think that's referring to his, his second coming, that he will return. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. At his return, he will raise up his saints from the dead. 
that they might always be with him and his Father in the eternal kingdom, the heavenly city of God that comes to earth in its fullness to be the eternal dwelling of his people, heaven and earth, the new creation. And this reality is described sometimes as a kingdom, the eternal kingdom, uh, sometimes as a city, a city of God. Here it's described as a house, the Father's house. Just as the temple was called his Father's house, well, this is what the temple pointed to, the dwelling of God with man. And that is the way this way leads. Well, Jesus is the way. He is the way of salvation, the way to the Father. He is also the truth. Jesus is the truth. What does it mean to be, to, for Jesus to be the truth? You know what truth is? Well, one thing truth is not is not falsehood, right? Something is true or it's false. Well, Jesus is the truth. He's not falsehood. He's the true and living God. Come in the flesh. All false gods, all lies of the evil one, they pale and shrink back in the presence of the truth. It's like... Some pretenders were pretending to be the king, and they all are trying to lead away the people. But then the real king comes, and it's unmistakable that he is the true king. And everyone else, all the imposters are exposed. Jesus is the truth, and he has come to bring mankind back to his maker, to his creator. He and the Father are one God, the true and living God. As John wrote in 1 John, his, his epistle, he says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. And Jesus and the Father, you know, they are him who is true. There's a little going back and forth. We know him who is true, that is the Father, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. And his Son, Jesus Christ, is the true God and eternal life. Now, Jesus is the truth also in the sense that he is the substance. He is the reality. He's not the sign. He's not the symbol. He's not the shadow. He is the thing itself. He is the truth. He is the true light. Chapter 1 said he's the true light. Or in chapter 6, he's the true bread. Or in chapter 6, he, his flesh is true food and his blood is true drink. Or in chapter 15, we'll find that he is the true vine. You know, he is the real one. He is the substance, the source of, of salvation and life. The, Moses and the prophets foretold him by prophecies and promises and ceremonies. But Jesus came forth as the eternal word become flesh, the source of life the fountain of grace. From him we have received grace and truth. I think Jesus is the truth, and that also means that Jesus is truthful. He is faithful. Uh, he, is, he gives true witness. There's a lot of talk in the Gospel of John about witness and bearing witness. His word is true and faithful. His testimony, the testimony about him, is true. Consider how the book of Revelation uses this theme of Jesus being the truth. Of course, the book of Revelation being recorded by the same apostle. It describes Jesus as the faithful witness, the true one, the amen, the faithful and true witness, the one who is called faithful and true. Now, this is our Savior. We can put our faith in him because he is faithful and true. 
The promises of God are established in him, and they are received through him. Now those who reject Jesus walk in darkness. They are blinded to the truth of God. They're ensnared by the devil's life. There's a contrast between the truth and the other way. Those who walk in darkness shall stumble and fall. But if you desire truth and light, if you desire the true and living God, and not the dreams and imaginations and falsehoods, if you desire to be free from the devil's schemes, then come to Jesus and abide with him. He is faithful and true. Again, it is by faith in Jesus that a person benefits from him and receives the truth, and the truth, that truth that will set you free. A person comes to know the true God by believing in Jesus. Well, thirdly, Jesus is the life. As the Gospels began in chapter 1, even at the very beginning, in him was life, and life was the light of men. So now, even as in creation, so now in salvation, the, the new creation, to sinners, Jesus is the source of living waters that well up to eternal life. He raises people to life both in the present, as they are born again, as well as on the last day when he'll raise them up in the resurrection. He is the bread of life. He gives his flesh as the bread of life to give life through his death. Those who come to him receive the light of life. This is a theme throughout John. This is not surprising that he's called the life because that's been a major theme here. Of course, it's part of his theme that what? By believing in him, you might have what? That you might have life in his name, eternal life. He came that they might have life and have it abundantly. He had already told Martha that he is the resurrection and the life. Apart from Christ, mankind is dead, spiritually dead, doomed to eternal death, cut off from the source of true life. Just as if a plant was cut off from the sun, it shrivels up and dies. So by our alienation from God, we shrivel up. We don't bear good fruit. We are dead in sin and trespasses and condemned to death. But Jesus died and rose again that he might save sinners from condemnation and give them eternal life. Those who believe in him, again, it's through faith in him that we benefit from the way, the truth, and the life. We receive eternal life. It's a gift received by faith. This eternal life begins now. The believer is not under the condemnation of death. He's been justified unto life. And rather than being dead in sins, he, the believer is alive with God and produces good works. The life is received through fellowship with Christ as a vine uh, produces life in the branches that participate in it. This is the life of Christ in us. And so when the believer dies, the fellowship in life continues as the soul goes to be with Christ and the body rests in the hope of the resurrection. When Christ returns, he will raise his people from death to resurrection to be with God forever. And so Jesus is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. And he is these things in conclusion here because he is God come in the flesh for sinners. The eternal son who makes the father known. He is able to be these things not only because he is man and is able to die and to suffer for us, but also because he himself 
is God come in the flesh, the Son of God, God of God, light of light, that to know him is to know the Father, to know him is to know God, and to know and have fellowship with the Father and the Spirit. As Hebrews says, he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. As the incarnate Savior, he is the image of the invisible God, in whom the fullness of deity dwells bodily, as Colossians says. He and the Father are one God, one indivisible, one numerical essence. The first chapter of John taught us the truth that he makes the Father known because he is the eternal word who is with God and who was God. And so to know the Son is to know the Father, is to know the true and living God, is to know that life which we were created for. To have seen the Son is to have seen the Father. They may be distinguished as persons, but they are one indivisible being, sharing completely the full divine nature. As the Father is, so is the Son. You know, apart from their personal properties, they uh, are one being, and they mutually indwell one another, the Father and the Son, the Son and the Father, working together, working, of course, as the one God they are. And so Jesus is the perfect mediator, the perfect in-between, between God and man, being both God and man. Only God can be the way, the truth, and the life. The one through whom all things were made is the one by whom we are born again. By believing in Jesus, we are reunited with the true life, brought into fellowship with the triune God. And even though Jesus ascended into heaven, fellowship with him may be had, even now, through faith in him. And all those who believe in him shall end up with him, shall be where he is. For he went to the Father not to escape us, not to get away from us, but to prepare a place for us that we might be with him forever. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, we give you thanks for your great love with which you have loved us, which you have expressed and shown through sending your only begotten Son to become flesh and blood, to become a man like us, that we might know you, that we also might come to you through his death and resurrection, through his work applied to us. We pray that you would bind us tightly to him, that we might grow in his grace and knowledge, that we might be sanctified by the truth, that we might walk in this way by faith, uh, that we might participate in this life and more and more bear good fruit in love and good works. We pray that you would keep us in this fellowship of your Son and join uh, the lost to him, that they might enjoy this as well. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.